Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to our Bible cast. I've coined a new name for what we do. It's sort of Bible study slash podcast. We'll be touching some polemical topics, not so much polemical or controversial just for the sake of being controversial, just hot takes, but stuff of substance, stuff that maybe I can't deal with on a Sunday morning because of the obvious realities of, you know, time restraints, children in the sanctuary. This is kind of for grown people who want to expand in terms of theological, um, you know, construct uh, topics that are a bit, you know, I, I don't know, off topic for some churches, not us. Let, let's touch it up. I want to talk about tonight something that's been on my mind for a while. I did a lot of preparation because it's sensitive to many. Uh, but it's still a reality to many. That is the elephant in the church, the elephant in the church, homosexuality and Christianity, homosexuality and Christianity. Dr. Vernon, wow. Well, number one, more black people come in person uh, to the word church in Cleveland than any other predominantly African-American church uh, in the area. That's just a reality. That's just truth. That said, if you got more people, then you have more of everything, including lesbians, gay brothers and sisters, uh, queer Christians who attend here. And uh, I've just never been afraid to touch this topic. I don't run from it. I mean, I don't run to it, but I certainly don't run from it. It's something that I think is real. And we sort of, you know, built our, I don't know, on relationships. I mean, if you've watched me for a while, you know, relationships, hence relationships and leadership uncut. So, so that's real for me. I've never been afraid to touch single issues and marital issues. I've loved one woman for 25 years, so I don't have to run from talking about marriage and, you know, wrote two books on being single. And now there's the real reality of uh, queer Christians. And how do we talk about that? How do we touch it? Because it's a reality. Notice I say queer Christians. I'll start right away by saying you can be saved and gay. Yeah, anybody who tells you differently, they haven't read enough or they're just overly, I mean, extremely homophobic, even theologically homophobic, which is crazy because you just can't get that from Scripture that you, you know, can't have a struggle if you consider the struggle. And I want to start right there. Okay, so let's touch this. Uh, About a decade ago, I was tripping because you know, it started to become real, this whole idea of uh, Christianity and homosexuality. Now, let's be clear. Queer people, gay people have always been a part of the black church. It was just taboo to talk about it. What would you say? Maybe the last decade has become real. More people have outed themselves, become openly gay. Uh, Even gay Christians have said, no, I don't see this as sin in many uh, different contexts. Uh, Christianity, as you know, is not monolithic. There are places uh, who are affirming, accepting. There are churches who say not only do we accept it, we affirm it. We think it's perfectly fine. There are churches like the word church who are accepting and affirming in one sense, but very honest about the fact that we see biblical marriage as between a man and a woman. And we see, yeah, same gender lovemaking as as sin as sin don't don't bite your tongue say what it is we see it as sin but i don't necessarily see the people as totally sinful we'll talk about that as we go so i'm tripping 
And uh, I didn't know who to talk to about it. I, I really didn't. And, and something told me, I need to talk to somebody who is scholarly and queer. Yeah, because I wanted to sort of have a biblical backdrop. I wanted to argue what the text says biblically. What does biblical text say about it? But yet I wanted to talk to somebody who had or who was literally living it out. So I call, after doing some research, I call Dr. Horace L. Griffin, who wrote, and it's right there on the screens, their own receive them not. African-American lesbians and gays in black churches, their own receive them not. And I think that's a text that uh, every believer who's serious about the heart of homosexuals should read. Their own receive them not. Uh, he was a professor then at a prominent university. So I call him. I search his number down. I make some calls. I find him. I catch him in his office. I'm like, Dr. Griffin, this is uh, R.A. Vernon from Cleveland, the word church. I said, I'm calling you because I need to ask about what it is to be gay and Christian and a scholar. And I want to have a real theological talk about it. I said, now, let me be clear. This is not some underneath cry for help. And him and I got a good laugh. I said, I'm the most ungay man you'll ever meet. This is not some on the low call because I'm tripping. No, I'm like, no, me, me love me some hips and lips uh, from uh, my beautiful wife. I'm cool on that. But it's a reality in my church. There are persons that I love who have walked up to me. And we're talking real ministry. See, I pastor the word nation. And the word nation has lesbians in it. It has gay bras in it. It has persons who have done menage a trois, been divorced, uh, ex-strippers, maybe some right now strippers. It's a real church. Yeah, our church is not a museum. It's a hospital. So I kept seeing same gender loving, same gender attractive people walking up to me. And I'm like, I can't run from this. And I got to get more schooled on it. So I called Dr. Griffin and I said, man, we got to talk. We got to talk about how do you see biblical texts as justifying uh, homosexuality? Man, we had an hour talk. We disagreed on just about everything. But he respected me enough. And I said, I'm calling you for one reason. Not for me, but I need to be able to minister to persons in my church who I love and they have a place and space at the word church. And so I need to ask you some questions. So that began a journey of reading. As a matter of fact, I don't think you should have an opinion on anything until you read something. Yeah, don't just throw something out there. These, you know, same old cliche stuff, you know, Adam and Steve and Adam, that's cute, man. But Persons who really deal with this will just dismiss you. I don't want to be dismissed. Yeah, I don't want to be dismissed by the gay community at our church. I want them to look at me and say, Pastor and I can disagree, but I can't hate the game. I, I can't hate the fact that he at least read something, that he cares about me, that he's interested in my plight. So that that took me on a journey of reading. This, this is something that might trip you out. We act like Every other person is gay in our church, or I know because the agenda has so many resources behind it, you would think it was 60% of Americans who were gay. And you got to give them kudos because somebody has gotten behind the homosexual agenda. And what would happen if the church got behind its agenda like that? Or black people in the last 10 years, tell me another group who has pushed their agenda forward in television in Hollywood, I mean, 
man, you can't hate the game. And because the agenda is so well financed and so well put together, you think everybody or every other person, 3.5% of adults in America identify as LGB. Let me say that again. Only 3.5%. 0.3% identify as transgender. That's all. 0.3%. So it's not like you watch a movie now and you can't get through one scene or one movie without them adding a gay scene as if to say, no, this is the reality in America. No, it's not as common as Hollywood tries to make it or as some people with an agenda try to make it. But I don't care if it's zero, zero, zero point one percent. They still deserve to be loved and to be listened to because it's their struggle if they see it as one and uh, they matter to God. All right. So any serious person who's serious, I'll drop two books on you and then I want to I want to work. So number one, uh, their own receive them not African-American lesbians and gays in black churches. That's a book that that's for homosexuality. That's Dr. Horace Griffin, who is a queer brother, uh, who is a scholar who believes it is perfectly OK to be gay. OK and Christian, and God has no problem with it, all right? That's one perspective. Then, of course, there's the classic text against it, all right, by Gagnon, and that is the Bible and homosexual practice, text and hermeneutics, okay? So you want to read that. It's on the screen. Take a picture of it. If you're serious about learning something, particularly pastors that are watching, the Bible and homosexual practice, text and hermeneutics by Robert Gagnon, all right? That's the classic text. Uh, scholarly brother out of Pittsburgh uh, University. Uh, you want to read that. So that's one four. He's going to show you in his opinion how there are texts biblically that are clearly against it. Now that said, let's talk about it because you only find six places. You can throw a seventh in in the entire Bible that even touch the idea of homosexuality or same gender loving kind of stuff. All right. Now, let me let me talk about this and then we're going to get to some practical stuff before I let you go. A text without a context becomes a pretext. You need culture and you need context. In the time of Paul's writing, there's a lot going on. In terms of the Greek culture, Alexander the Great had a male lover and even history tells us promoted that male lover to second in command. All right. So among the Greeks, it was prominent in the Roman Greco world. Orgies where bros would have women, little boys, men, everybody just leaving with everybody. I mean, there was some straight up orgies. I know it happens today, too, but it's not something, boy, it's not like it used to be. No, it was just as nasty in Greco Roman times. All right. So the Greeks believed in sort of long term relationships. The Romans were a bit more hedonistic, hedonistic, hedonistic. Little boys, men, girls, women, if it feels good, do it. So what's happening today is not new, guys. At the time of Paul's writing, Paul is trying to convince Gentiles this is not God's will, but it's happening all in the culture. So know that when Paul is writing, everyone knows about Alexander the Great's boyfriend, lover. He promotes him the second in command. Everybody heard about the nasty parties 
in the Greco-Roman culture and men would use little boys as sex toys. I mean, this is happening in the culture. How much, okay, this is so good. Matter of fact, but guess what? <laughs> Can you handle this? Patriarchy, patriarchy is a trip. Because even though the bras are sleeping with other bras, even the Romans don't see lesbianism as natural. Now, they don't want that. They don't see that. They don't accept that but they accept the men with the men. And so Paul, I like what one scholar says, he almost tries to trick the Roman reader, and you'll love this, in Romans 1, 26, he says, for this reason, God allowed their shameful passions to control them. The women, you'll love this, have exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. He starts with women because, okay, the Roman reader and even the nasty Roman bros who were doing it are like, yeah, I agree with that. Women ain't got no business. So they're against lesbianism. They don't see that as, as natural and okay. Then he sets them up and says, likewise, the men have given up natural sexual relations with women and burn with lust for each other. Men commit indecent acts with men so they experience among themselves the punishment they deserve for their perversion. Okay, y'all want to go here? I got to hurry. This is helping somebody. I don't care who watches this. They won't be able to say it's not balanced. The little bit of scholarship I have, I've studied, talked to other scholars because this is important to me. And don't log off because I got to get to what I really came for. And that's this. Uh, there are people who dismiss Romans 1, which to me is the most clear passage in the Bible in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, the New Agreement, that the Apostle calls men with men and women with women unnatural. Let me give you some arguments. Uh, Pastor, if you a heterosexual bruh who like women, another man would be unnatural for you. But if I'm a gay bruh, then me sleeping with another gay bruh or down low bruh is not unnatural for me. So that's how they interpret Paul. You know, we call that a strained exegesis. You can't find that in the text. No, I don't believe that. There are scholars who do. There are bros with more degree than me. I have a doctorate of ministry in church growth. There are bros who have a PhD in New Testament who disagree with me. You know what the Lord told me one time? I was watching some black scholars and many of them are accepting and affirming and even totally okay with gay. And the Lord gave me something that you should remember the rest of your life. Because somebody smarter than you don't mean they writer than you. I need some fire in the chat. I need some fire. I need somebody commenting. Because somebody smarter than you does not mean they're writer than you. Grandma don't know a noun from a verb. But grandma look at two men and say, no, that's not God. And y'all say, Grandma's just old-fashioned. No, Grandma got the Holy Ghost. Something in Grandma says, that's not cool. Now, you can tell her, Grandma, you're just ancient and antiquated, but Grandma got the Holy Ghost. And something in her spirit tells her, two women not supposed to be kissing like a man and a woman. Now, you dismiss Grandma, say, Grandma's just old. Grandma, Grandma don't know God, apparently. But what about when the Holy Ghost told me? So I'm giving you Greek and Hebrew, but grandma just looked and said, no, that's, that's not natural. There are people who say it is natural. They, they dismiss Paul that way. It's up to you. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about is another thing. You'll love this. 
the argument from silence. The argument from silence. I got to hurry. The argument from silence is this. Uh, Jesus didn't say nothing about it. So it must not have been that important to him. There's a whole lot of things Jesus didn't talk about. Jesus didn't talk about pedophilia. We know he was against that. Again, weak argument to me. There are scholars who disagree. I want to be clear, man. I'm just telling you, this is my Bible cast. I'm giving you where I'm at, where I'm at. They argue, no, if it was so important, how come Jesus ain't say more about it? Well, number one, Jesus did talk about homosexuality. What do you mean, Pastor Vernon? Well, he told you what marriage is. I like what Dr. Tony Evans says. I agree with him here. In him telling you what it is, he's also telling you what it wasn't. (laughs) He's telling you what marriage is. Matthew 19, verses four through six. Haven't you read, haven't you read, the creator made them male and female in the beginning? And that he said, that's why a man will leave his father and mother and will remain united with his wife, and the two shall become one. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, don't let anyone separate what God has joined together. In my opinion, when Jesus tells you what marriage is, he's telling you what marriage isn't. But you can disagree with that. All right, so we we plowed the heavy ground. Let's get practical as I close, and uh, please invite someone to take a look at this, which I need you sharing this. I need some opinions. I need you to tell me if there's some queer brothers and sisters watching. I want your opinion in the chat. I'm fine. We can do a whole Bible cast on it. You can join me. I'm serious because I want to be a blessing. I want to help some people. So let's talk about, in in my last 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to go a little longer tonight because this is all over me. So Dr. Vernon, why are you doing this? Because I touch a lot of people. And my girl and I, we don't just do the exit or stage left exit, even during the pandemic. I'm not saying it was right. I was coming down. It was like, look, I got my two shots. I touch people. And if I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to heaven touching people. So I'm getting people whispering to me every Sunday. I'm not some cat that just fell off a wagon. Let me grab me a microphone and talk. I don't know anybody more qualified than me. And when I say me, I mean pastors in general who do real ministry, bros and sisters who stand down there and talk to people where they are. And I'm telling you, it's lesbian sisters and gay bros in our church that will, I'll say it, they'll, they'll probably go off on you about me. They love me and I love them, but they know where I stand. And having done this for the last two decades, I've heard to me, the three basic kinds of homosexuals or the three ways they were, okay, let me just unpack it this way. Number one, and you've heard this one, I was born this way. I was born this way. I got a question for everybody watching. Why do you have a problem with somebody telling you that? I absolutely, now this is where grandma is wrong. Sometimes grandma says, you was not born that way. No, grandma, you're wrong there. You're wrong there. You was not born that way. Don't tell nobody how they were born. Yeah, you was born nasty. You was was born with a nasty attitude. You was born where no one woman is enough. Uh, You you were born, it's amazing because I told you 3.5% of people are homosexuals. And we act like it's 90% now because it's so out there and so flamboyant and, you know, parades and all that. Only 3.5%. How how many single people are, are having sex? 
in church? 60%, 80%? How many people have crept on their spouse? How many adulterers are watching? Or how many adulterers in our church? If the stats be true, what, 50%? So only 3.5% of people are gay. So people ask, how come you don't preach more about it? It's not even the biggest issue in my church, by far. <laughs> no, I got more single people that want to be loved. And by the way, I'm not putting them down because it's so natural to want somebody to touch. Every time I get through making love to Lady Vernon, this is a Bible cast, because I'm a pastor, she'll tell you, I'll lay there and say, man, anytime a single person does what we just got through doing, which is a stress reliever for me, making love to her because I don't drink, I don't smoke, you know, I, I'm, I've been saved all day. And so my stress reliever is making love to my wife. And I think to myself, trip on this, every time a single person do this, they sinning. The most natural thing in the world, and every time they do it, they feel distant from God. Ooh, that's a trip. I'm sorry. I got to pause parenthetically and I'm, I'm going to wrap up, but I need you to catch this. Have you ever praised God that your sins are natural? Ooh, somebody should be putting some comments. Have you ever just jumped up and went to praise and said that, that at least your sins are socially acceptable? That your sins are what we call natural? If a bro creep on his wife, man, she wasn't making love to me. She talked back to me. I was in LA. Girl walked up on me. I just felt, man, I understand, man, people. People fall, bruh, because we see his sin as wrong, but natural. Now, bruh, walk up to me. Let me start with me and say, yeah, man, I kissed this dude the other day. Like, bruh, I need a minute. You know why? Because that's not natural to me. Can we talk? The thought of a man touching me make my skin crawl. Any heterosexual bro would tell you, I don't even want your foot on me. I, I mean, you get your don't even touch me. I, my son's getting big. I don't even want their foot on me no more. They my son's like, Negro, you get your big foot. A heterosexual bros cannot understand another man kissing me. Another man putting this in my, that's we talking straight. So because of that, it's hard for us to identify with somebody who was born that way. He was, she was born that way. From day one, he liked dolls more than he liked G.I. Joe. I'm dating myself if you're my age. He didn't want to play with G.I. Joe. He wanted to play with G.I. Jane, the Barbie doll. He don't know why. He thought his mother looked cute in skirts. He's in the, in the mirror trying on lipstick. I ain't never do that. I ain't never want to do that. But attracted to the opposite sex or to the same sex from birth. I was born this way. That's true. That's true with a lot of people. They were born that way. Pastor, prove it. Psalms 51, verse 5. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, NLT version. You, you grew up, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You don't tell yourself what sin. There are people who are born. Let's look at this anthropologically, biologically, and they arm broke. There are people who are born, watch this, and they got mental stuff. Why is it so hard for us to believe, if you believe that it is sin, if you don't, that's okay, that you can be born with sexual brokenness, that you attracted to what you attracted to, that you like what you like. That's real for some people. So I'm not the pastor who doesn't believe people were born that way. Oh, I, I believe that. I believe that. Number two, you'll love this, and it's true. 
I experimented. I experimented. I'm in Bar Studios. My son got the most boss studio in Cleveland. I thank him for letting me, you know, drop our podcast up here. He's in partnership with our ministry. He does all the video stuff. And But listen, right outside this door is the biggest sportsplex, indoor track, three full court basketball courts, game room. I mean, we attract teenagers. Yeah, all the kids in Cleveland been coming here. Some of them grown. Now, they've been coming here. This is where the midnight rumbles and bros play basketball for $5,000. And LeBron James played right out there. Kyrie. I'm serious. Right out there. This is the spot. So teenagers come here. Teenagers trust my voice. Teenagers watch me. Teenagers don't fall asleep. We got a whole teen section on Sunday morning in our church. When I'm preaching, they take up a whole section looking right at me. And in the absence of my voice, all they have is the world's voice and culture's voice and TikTok's voice and Ellen DeGeneres' voice. God bless her, but we just don't agree. So I'm teaching this because some of them ain't, they ain't studying being gay, but everybody doing it. So they think, well, let me kiss a girl. Girl in college, she ain't even gay. She's attracted to boys. She watched her father and mother love each other. She's not attracted to women in no kind of way. But it's so prevalent prevalent now. It's like, you want to kiss? Be careful what you try. You might like it. So she's never been touched by a boy yet. And the first person that touches her, even though she's not attracted to girls, girl get to kissing her in a soft way and rubbing on her breasts and touching her. She like, because she's human. Maybe I am lesbian. So now. There you go. You weren't thinking about it, but you experimented. And then number three, and I'm wrapping up. And here's what I get more than any of the three at the Word Nation. Don't tell me I'm not qualified. I passed thousands of people for 23 years. Don't tell me I may be the most qualified. <laughs> yeah, pastors like me to touch this. Someone turned me. Number three, someone turned me. Yeah. You know what I get more than anything from the gay bros in my church? Don't tell me what I don't get. It's been 22 years. You can't tell me about my context. Pastor, when I was four, some cousin touched my penis. When I was 11, my cousin sucked my penis. When I was 12, one of my uncles made me, did it to me. And, and by the time I was 13, one brother told me at four, somebody touched me. At nine, somebody else touched me. At 12, and then he told me, by the time I was 12, 13, I was like, Whoever want me can have me. Because now you start to get confused. I must be gay because as he was touching my penis, uh, I ejaculated. When I ejaculated, it felt good because your body's human. If somebody do anything enough, come on now, let's talk straight. It's a Bible cast. Let somebody watch this, please. And I need feedback on is this balanced and honest? I must be gay, right? Because I enjoyed it. Or did I enjoy it? Someone turns you. Now they're sexually confused and get in my line and say, Pastor, I like girls and boys. I'm, I guess I'm gay. Someone turned me. I'm done. Here's my big point. The reason why I did this tonight is to say to all of us, let's have a heart for those who may struggle in that area. There are people watching who say, don't call it a struggle. I'm not struggling. I'm happy with same gender loving. We just disagree. That's my big point. Dr. Meyer says he wants to write a book called Can We Talk? 
How come you gotta be homophobic if you disagree with homosexuality? Do you know how small that is? That's small thinking. Oh, homophobic fool. No, I just disagree with you. I love you. I, I thought about this coming. There are people who say mega church pastors should not have a nice house or we got, you know, how you got a nice car or how you, you know, Jesus was poor and Paul was poor. And there seems to be a pattern in the New Testament where men of God didn't have much. In the Old Testament, they were wealthy, but Paul, Jesus. Now, I disagree with that. Look at me. But that's what I call a principled critique. It's a principled argument. If you want to have a podcast with me and argue that pastors of mega churches should only have so much money, I would disagree with that. But but we can have that conversation because I understand how that makes sense to you. If somebody disagrees with you being gay, don't hate them. And I know every group has its zealots because now you disagree with them. They're trying to get you fired. They're trying to get you canceled. Think about that. You're going to do that to me because I disagree with something that the majority of the world has believed for 4,000 years, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And because I disagree with that, I'm a, I'm me. No, you're not going to push me in a corner and make me that small. And I'm not going to make you that small because of what you struggle with or agree with. My official position is that God made man for woman and woman for man. That the only sex that's okay is not only, it's not even between a man and a woman. That could be sin between a husband and his wife. If two people engage, they sinning. If you and your wife tripping and you go outside to marriage, you're sinning. If you watching pornography, you're sinning. And to me, if you sleeping with somebody of the same sex, you're sinning. But we all got stuff. We, we all need God's grace. I want to pray now. I do. Persons who can see God's heart can see my heart. I've been chasing this for 10 years because I want to minister in a real way to people in my ministry who may struggle and really consider the struggle. Uh, you're welcome at the Word Church. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you now for those that are watching. And I pray that this uh, Bible cast will help somebody to know that even if they struggle, they're not less than. We all got stuff. If they are same gender attracted, we all got stuff we're attracted to that we shouldn't be. God, give them the grace. And to those in the word nation and the thousands and millions who are Christians, who do love you, who are spirit-filled, but really see their sexual attraction as a struggle, give them the grace for it. And don't let them so much think about becoming ungay. No, let them concentrate on loving you more. Yeah, being filled with your spirit and just going day by day, just a closer walk with me. Granted, Jesus, if, if you please, I pray now for every person watching uh, in that community and for all of us who are in the straight community to have our hearts open uh, to realize that everybody has something they struggle with. Now, bless this time together in Jesus' name. I got to go. Listen, it's the holiday season. Is there fear? Please, if this was of substance to you, help R.A. Vernon Ministries. Help my family and I to be a blessing. There's so many of you that have partnered with us, but we need more. Can I get a hundred of you that will commit? I'm going to give. And so if you could just start off with a hundred dollar gift or a $50 gift, 
this helps me help people. I like writing checks more than I like receiving checks. This R.A. Vernon Ministries, even this year alone, what we've done has been remarkable in terms of donations. So please give to R.A. Vernon Ministries. It's there on the screen. We're going to keep coming back. Would you drop in the chat what city you from right now and drop in the chat some subjects you want me to, to, to discuss? Come on, be respectful, but come on, principle critique. The only thing we're going to ignore is ignorant people, but you can disagree with me all you want. We're just going to ignore ignorant people who can't handle substantive uh, principle critique and, and argument and back and forth and robust disagreement. I like that. Let's talk about it. Let's make that. Let's make this place the place we can come and think together. Jesus loves you, man. I love you so much. And uh, if you're ever in the Cleveland area, we'd love to have you at the Word Church. Watch us on our YouTube channel right here, 1030s on Sundays. Check out everything we're doing. I love you so much. Until we connect next time. Come on, would you give? Be a blessing to us. See you next time.